River Jordan is flowing through the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life where the Dead Sea is, is completely stagnant and dead and it's a great picture of what God gives us mercy for. If we try to keep it for ourselves, we become stagnant and dead. But when it flows out of us, we can trust in God's faithfulness to continue pouring that mercy into us for any and every circumstance. This episode, we're asking the question, what role does mercy play in freedom from porn? Most Christians probably understand that when you're in habitual sexual sin, you desperately need the mercy of God. But perhaps many miss just how important it is to bestow mercy upon others and the radical change that that can make in a person's life. We're talking about the mercy of God today. I'm your host, Jim Lewis. This is Purity for Life. Mercy isn't a complicated theological concept. Most people understand that when God bestows mercy, he is withholding from us the wrath or punishment that our sins deserve, or he is bestowing something that we desperately need but feel undeserving to ask. When we hear the afflicted in the New Testament Gospels crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. We understand what that means. Please deal with me compassionately. There are three interrelated concepts in Scripture that describe the merciful character of God. The Hebrew chesed, which is mercy, chen, which is grace, and rucham, which is compassion. That these words are related is clearly seen in the many places they appear together in Hebrew poetry as parallel or complementary concepts. And this is nowhere more clearly displayed than in Psalm 51.1, where David cries out, Be gracious to me, O God, the verb chanan, extend grace, according to your loving kindness, the noun chesed, mercy, according to the greatness of your compassion, the noun racham, tender compassion. Blot out my transgression. David assigns to God these divine character traits that he extends undeserved, unmerited good favor upon those who do not deserve it and cannot earn it. He is gracious. He not only withholds deserved judgment, but in love he meets the desperate needs of a man's condition, physical, emotional, and spiritual. His provision of needs from food to forgiveness and even chastisement and discipline are all expressions of his mercy. And God is compassionate. While it is true of the Father, it is clearly more visible in the Son, who demonstrated his Father's character perfectly in that when Jesus was moved with compassion, he responded with tears, with weeping. 
and then also with works of healing. The three corresponding Greek words of the New Testament are elios for mercy, charis for grace, and splanxnon for compassion. All of them are used to describe Jesus, and so all reflect in him the character of God. Every man who passes through pure life came here deep in habitual sin, and every man who leaves free from his sin has come to realize that he has been the recipient of great mercy from God. His process of gaining freedom at some point hinged on him coming to the cross of Jesus Christ, making a thorough repentance of his life of sin and his depraved soul, and throwing himself on the mercy of God, seeking real forgiveness and cleansing of all his sin. This is not the typical cheap prayer offered up by the man who only wants enough absolution to assuage his conscience until the next time he gives over to his sin. This is life-changing, bone-shaking repentance that repudiates sin and turns from it once for all. And he experiences a flood of mercy that he knows comes from a heart of grace because seeing his great need, he knows beyond doubt he is unworthy and undeserving. In compassion, God is gracious and merciful. After his true conversion at the cross, things really begin to change for him. Now, having the Holy Spirit directing his life from the inside, he begins to display the character of God toward those around him. His long-standing habits of anger, selfishness, pride, fear, and lust begin to be replaced with the fruit of the Spirit, and he begins to show mercy to those around him. In his parable about forgiveness in Matthew 18, Jesus has the king saying to an unmerciful, unforgiving servant, Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow servant in the same way that I have had mercy on you? When our men come to apply that verse to their lives, that as recipients of great mercy, it is now incumbent upon them to be bestowers of mercy, their lives change even more. They begin to look for opportunities to do mercy. They go out of their way to be merciful. It's quite wonderful to behold. Men who were completely selfish and self-consumed, nothing but takers, now fervent in their desire to bless others by giving. We call it reversing the flow from being a taker to being a giver. God does this in the lives of men whom he saves and sets free. And he does it through pouring his mercy into their hearts. Paul wrote to Titus, For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, 
but according to his mercy. For the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We are the recipients of great mercy. It is now our task and our great joy to extend his mercy to others, to family, to friends, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to a lost and dying world who needs a savior. Sometimes the simplest truths of scripture have the greatest impact. God is good. God loves you. God is willing to forgive you. These simple truths that many take for granted transform lives every day at Pure Life. Listen as Rose Cologne shares the simple truth that God wants to make your life a blessing to others. share. I'm just reminded a couple of weeks ago we got a phone call. Some of you know this and um, a very close friend of my husband's had committed suicide and when we found out about that what we just sang was really in our heart. We just wanted to go down there and be a blessing and what struck me as we spent time with the family the words that we sang in that song is very true. There's many out there that are hurting. They're hurting, they're sad, they're broken, they have no hope. And what's so real to me tonight is how the Lord wants to make every one of your lives a blessing to someone. You know, sometimes you're put in a situation, we've been put in many situations where we don't know what to say to people. You know, and sometimes we feel like we always have to know what to say, you know? But one of the things the Lord is teaching me through trials or situations he puts me in like this, where you get a phone call and you're going down there and not knowing what to expect, it's okay just to sit with that person. Just sit, hold their hand, comfort them, just love them. And it's amazing how God's light shines in that darkness. I've seen that many times. You know, like I said, many times I've been put in situations I don't know what to say. When my neighbor's son committed suicide, I didn't know what to say. But I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to be a blessing to this family. And he simply said, just be a friend. Just be a friend. God wants to make your life a blessing. Because you think about before pure life, and I include myself too, we were all focused on self. <laughs> our lives and what was going wrong and our lives in this world. And I'm sure many of us really didn't see the needs around us. But thank God he brought us here and he's opening our eyes to see to see the needs around us. So those words that we sang would really become a deep cry in my heart, Lord, I wanna be a blessing. I've spent too much of my life being a curse to people. I wanna spend the rest of my life being a blessing to people. 
just being a blessing, just showing them the love of Christ through my life, through my actions, through my face, you know, just a smile. God wants to do that in your lives, man. He wants to do that. And Lord, I'm just so grateful for times you put us in where we can live out what we're singing. We can really live it out and truly be a blessing to people that are hurting out there in darkness, without hope, have nowhere to turn. Lord, thank you that you have brought us to this place to come to know you and we can take that knowledge of God to other people. We could bring that knowledge of God into their lives, Lord, by our lives. Lord, thank you that you can take every one of the lives in this room, no matter how young they are or how old they are, and make their lives count for the kingdom of God in that way. What a blessing it truly is to be able to live for you, Jesus, to be able to live for your kingdom, and to be able to live for the needs of those that are hurting reaching out to them. Lord, thank you for giving us that opportunity. And I just pray that you would just keep making these songs that we sing a reality in the heart of every man in this program, Lord. I pray that it wouldn't just be words, but it truly would be a deep, deep cry in their heart to be in what they're singing, to do what they're singing, Lord. I pray, take us deeper into these things that we sing about, Lord so that your glory can truly fill the earth through our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The biblical counselors in the residential program at Pure Life are all graduates of our program. No one understands better than his counselor what a student is going through as he comes here seeking help from long-term habitual sin. Students are sometimes skeptical when we tell them that getting out of yourself, learning to pray for others, becoming a giver, and serving the needs of others opens the door for God to do a major work in their lives in setting them free from sexual sin. Yet it is the testimony of these counselors and hundreds of PLM graduates over the last 30 years that receiving and giving mercy has made all the difference. I'm here today with three counselors from the residential program here at Pure Life Ministries with Nathan Bohr and Michael Wheaton and Chuck Woodruff. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. It's good to have you all here today. And our topic for today is very familiar to us. We're going to talk about mercy. One of the themes that we teach here at Pure Life regularly is the mercy of God. Uh, we have an ongoing class that we teach on it. Steve Gallagher has written a book about it, Living in Victory Through the Power of Mercy. So I would like one of you, uh, just to get us started, to define mercy for me. What does the word mean, and um, where do we find it in Scripture? Well, first of all, mercy is a lot more than just us not getting what we deserve. Mm. Um, it really is anything that fills our need. We see... The word mercy, or in Hebrew translated hesed, uh, appears 248 times in the Old Testament. So it's all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, we see the mercy of God. And that mercy may be in the form of food, clothing, healing, 
could be in the form of a rebuke, encouragement, and ultimately salvation, whatever, whatever meets our need. That's, that's what mercy is. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, we have a card that we give students when they come into the program, and it has a definition for mercy on it, and it also has a prayer that they can pray. As the Lord leads, they can pray mercy for uh, one of their brothers in the program. Chuck, could you give me our definition of mercy that we supply to the men? Sure. Definition of mercy that we give the guys says, Mercy is God's supply system for every need everywhere. Mercy is that kindness, compassion, and tenderness, which is a passion to suffer with or participate in another's ills or evils in order to relieve, heal, and restore. Mercy accepts another freely and gladly as he is and supplies the needed good of life to build up and to bring to peace and keep in peace. Mercy is to take another into one's heart just as he is and cherish and nourish him there. Mercy takes another's sins and evils and faults as its own and frees the other by bearing them to God. This is the glow of love. This is the anointing. Well, that definition of mercy is a lot more complete than most of us would have imagined it could be. And the interesting thing about that definition of mercy is it doesn't just describe God's mercy towards us. It really is defining what our mercy looks like when we bestow it on others. Michael, you mentioned um, the Old Testament word chesed. Either of y'all, any of y'all know uh, what some of the other mercy words are in the Bible? Loving kindness, love, graciousness, compassion. Uh, another one that you find is kindness. Uh, and occasionally you'll see it as steadfast love throughout the Old Testament as well. One of the things that I love about the Old Testament scriptures is often the same concept will be repeated several times. And um, as David begins to pour out his heart in Psalm 51, which we remember is a song uh, written after he was uncovered in his sexual sin, and here he is repenting and he is begging God for forgiveness. Read the uh, opening verse of Psalm 51 for me. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. David uses all three Hebrew words for mercy. Talk to me about what you see there that talks about the character of God and why David is crying out for God to bestow mercy on him. Well, we see uh, in this first verse that God is merciful and gracious, and David knows that about God before he had walked with the Lord closely, um, before he fell into sin with Bathsheba, and he remembers that, and so he's appealing to the Lord for his mercy, knowing what he's like. He's abundant in mercy, and he's ready to forgive. I think it's really amazing here that David is crying out to God because he knows that he has nothing to offer God, but he needs what God has for him. And he's just throwing himself at the feet of God and asking God to do uh, what he can't do uh, for God's own namesake through David. And 
it's a, it's amazing the the cry for mercy that uh, welled up in David in response to being confronted about his sexual sin. We deal with men every day who come to us because they're in serious trouble. They have a long-standing habit of sexual sin. They can't get free from it. They've come to us for help and our answer for them is you need to plead God's mercy. Why do they need to plead God's mercy? One of the first things to see is that we have nothing in and of ourselves. Like we have nothing to bring to God that would make us deserve this. I believe Isaiah 55, the verse first, talks about there's that cry going out to come all who are thirsty, but you have you don't have anything to offer for what God is offering you, and that's like that's God's mercy to us. And that also is a place of humility, recognizing I don't have the answer for my problem, mm-hmm. but God, you do. And I'm appealing, just like we read in Psalm 51, to God, your mercy, your abundant, your abundant mercy, your steadfast love. There's nothing in myself that deserves it. And so it's a, a humbling recognizing I don't have it, but God, I know you do. Besides Psalm 51. What are some of your favorite passages of Scripture, Old Testament or New, that speak of God's mercy? When you think of God's mercy and as it's revealed in Scripture, where does your mind go? Well, I love Psalm 107. Mm. We see uh, three different types of people who have found themselves in different situations that they're in desperate need of God's mercy. And at the close of each of those sections, uh, there's the cry, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his mercy is forever. Or, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his wonderful works to the children of men. And verse 43 at the very end of the psalm says, Whosoever is wise will observe these things and understand the loving kindness of the Lord. And that verse speaks volumes to me, uh, just that question, whosoever is wise will, uh, will observe these things, these wonderful works to the children of men, and understand the loving kindness or mercy of the Lord. A favorite passage of mine uh, is actually Psalm 145, because it's, talk- it's all about praising God, but you're praising him for all of his attributes. But one of those main things in there is found in verses 8 and 9. It says that the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mm-hmm. steadfast love. And the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made, which, praise the Lord, we are some of those things that he has made, so his mercy is over us. So I know that's one of my favorite passages. But then also, I mean, this is really broad, but if just looking at the Gospels and the life of Christ and all the miracles and how he just continually poured himself out for so many people that cried out for the son of David to have mercy on him, mm-hmm. and he just continually poured that mercy out on their lives. I would have to say that the book of Psalms is, is a favorite place to camp out on for the word mercy. Uh, Psalms 100 talks about For the Lord is good, and his mercy and loving kindness are everlasting, and his faithfulness endures to all generations. And it's an amazing promise that his mercy wasn't just 
then, but it's also now. And I think that mercy is so much more than any of us uh, have really slowed down to take the time to contemplate before arriving at Pure Life. I remember getting here and thinking, how are they going to have a class every Sunday night on one word? And yet, four years later, I'm still just scratching the surface as to what mercy really means and how to do it. Jim, you mentioned earlier just referencing Psalm 51 and -hmm. David's cry for mercy. And uh, just thinking about the verse in Proverbs uh, 16, uh, verse 6, talks about through mercy and truth, iniquity is purged or atoned for. And David knew that truth, and he knew that what he needed for his sin wasn't self-help or some behavioral modification, but what he needed was the mercy and truth of the Lord to purge the iniquity out of him. Now the shift for our men comes when they begin to recognize that the mercy they have received from God, they must now be willing to bestow on others. The parable of Matthew 18, verse 33, Jesus has the king saying, should you not have shown mercy on your fellow servant just as I have shown mercy on you? Describe how being a mercy doer makes all the difference in a man's life. Well, even before doing mercy, the motivation behind the mercy was something that I was confronted with very early on in the program Mm -hmm. um, because I would perform out of selfish motivation to prove to my counselor or to the other people that God was doing a work in me, and I wasn't doing it for God's glory at all. I was doing it out of selfish ambition. So mercy has to come from the right source. It starts in the heart. God is changing uh, my heart from selfish ambition or vain conceit into a desire supremely for His glory, first and foremost. And then when uh, when you undergo that change, that heart change, it it seems like you are uh, presented with all kinds of opportunities to do things without ever wanting anyone to know that it was you doing them, not uh, not for any other reason than that they praise God uh, because God sees our needs and he meets our needs and, uh, and he shows us what our needs really are. That was another part of mercy that I'm still learning. Like what I need and what I, my perceived needs are not always right. I don't see right. But God, in his mercy, shows me what I need and what I don't need. We teach a class here. Nathan, you referenced it. Every single Sunday night, for at least an hour, many times 90 minutes, and we walk through a passage of Scripture, and we teach on what that passage of Scripture has to say about the mercy of God. Why is it so important that these men in sin come to understand and really understand and comprehend the mercy that God has for them? Well, um, there's a passage in Luke 11 um, that really emphasizes how vital it is for us to understand the mercy of God, especially those of us who have been in sexual sin Um, As we saw in Psalm 51 with David, 
Um, he's asking for God to cleanse him. Um, we're unclean inside in our hearts, and we've been uh, maybe good about cleaning the outside of the cup. And mm-hmm. Jesus addresses this when he rebukes the Pharisees. Uh, he says, starting in Luke 11, verse 39, Then the Lord said to, the, to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean for you. Alms is mercy, pity, compassion, and literally such things as you have in the original uh, means from within. Mm. And Paul talks about the fact that we've received mercy. And because we've received this ministry and have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Um, And so understanding God's mercy for us and Jesus and receiving that mercy is vital because Jesus is telling us how to clean the inside of the cup, to give that mercy to others from within. And one of the greatest ways we can do that is through prayer. Um, And I remember uh, early on uh, in my time here uh, committing to really praying mercy for other people Mm -hmm. for a week. Um, I've often found myself in my prayer times uh, wanting to pray for myself. And as I did that, the problem kept getting bigger. And I found myself not really believing that God could do anything. But when I committed to pray mercy for others for a week, I remember experiencing God's heart towards others. And I had one of the most powerful breakthroughs I've had in understanding if that's God's heart towards others, then how much more so is that his heart towards me? And able to understand that God's desire for me as mercy um, was huge. And then being able to give that mercy out to others. I think what you just said is key and, and insightful. When you were selfish or at least self-centered in your prayers, praying only for yourself, your problem only got worse. But when you decided to be selfless and turn your attention in your prayers towards others, God moved powerfully in your life. If I can just add something to that really quickly, I think that mercy is such a counter cultural concept that when we arrive at Pure Life Ministries, it's almost impossible to believe that satisfaction is going to come by giving instead of taking. And that is a uh, fundamental and foundational change Mm -hmm. that takes place in uh, the most successful cases here at, at Pure Life. And I yeah, I don't know what else to say about it besides uh, it's, it's an ongoing process. Well, it's clearly uh, taught in the New Testament, but for most people in our culture, it is a paradigm shift. It is a whole different way of thinking. Chuck, do you have a testimony of God's mercy in your own life? 
how receiving God's mercy made all the difference for you, or like Michael, becoming a bestower of mercy, how that affected change in your life. Yes, to, I guess, really describe that, uh, kind of refer back to that longer definition of mercy that we had. And the part that really stands out to me is, mercy is to take another one into one's heart just as he is Mm -hmm. and cherish and nourish him there. And I remember at one point in the program, the Lord really showed up and showed me that he wanted to take me just as I was, like Mm -hmm. not, not having to fix myself up, not trying to do all kinds of amazing spiritual awesome things for him uh, in ministry or anything like that, but that the Lord wanted me to come to to him just as I am so that he could take and make something brand new because that's the mercy that he has for me. And then through that, kind of to answer that, that other question as far as just you were asking about, you know, seeing that in somebody's life or how that was affected, you know, being able to then take and see other people as Jesus sees me, being able to take that person just as they are, not going, well, I wish they were better at this. I wish they didn't sound like this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It was like, wow, I I have to take this person just as they are and start bearing their needs and their faults, et cetera, taking them before the Lord, not because I'm, again, some awesome spiritual person, but because I love them as as Christ loves me, and I am far from where I need to be with that, you know, but... What you're saying that as a counselor here, you have to bestow God's mercy on the men that you're counseling and treat them the way God has treated you. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. If I don't, (laughs) if I'm not living what I'm telling these guys you know, then I, well, I'm a hypocrite. I'm doing just what I was doing before coming into the program. Who has stories of um, men that you've worked with or men that you've seen in the program, and you know that receiving God's mercy and bestowing God's mercy on others radically transformed their life, that it was this understanding of God's mercy that began to make the change in them. One of my guys throughout, I would say, at least the first four months of his program was in just in constant doubt, doubting doubting whether God was really doing anything. Just, yeah, it was all kinds of crazy unbelief. And through that whole process, he just, he would just pull away from everybody. Like he didn't want to talk to people. He he refused to enter into other people's needs. Uh, one of the things that really seemed to finally the Lord used to like start making a difference in his like trusting in the Lord that the Lord was who he said he was, was he actually started doing mercy, as we call it, entering into others' needs and, and praying for them, even though he did not feel like praying for them, (laughs) even though everything in his mind screamed against it, you know, he just started taking those steps of faith of entering into the needs of others, bearing those to Christ, 
you know, and through that step by step, it was like watching light come onto his face, Mm -hmm. you know, just the countenance started lightening up, coming into and seeing him in chapel, he was no longer sitting in the very back row, you know, he starts like moving closer to the front. But you really saw it in how he was getting into the needs of others. Yeah, he was still coming into counseling going like, I feel like I still have all this doubt, but you're watching the Lord work through that power of mercy, which is pretty amazing. Something Chuck just shared that stood out to me and is is absolutely necessary to understand is he mentioned that his counselee began praying for others even when he didn't feel like it. Uh, I think often we can get hung up on giving the mercy to God that we've received because maybe we don't feel merciful at the time, but it's essential that we go against our feelings and learn how to give that mercy to others in faith. And often for myself, I find that when I will humble myself and take that step of faith and obedience to the Lord and begin doing that mercy for others, that after that, feelings of joy or peace from knowing that I'm doing what's pleasing to the Lord will come. But often the times when we're aware of a need, whether it's somebody's done something to offend us and we know they need forgiveness, the feelings aren't there. It's not that, oh man, I just feel like forgiving this person right after they did this thing, right after they sinned against me. Usually those aren't the feelings that come flooding in. But when I extend that mercy then the freedom comes in. And before coming here, uh, one thing for sure is that we were all led by our feelings and we obeyed our feelings, not the word of God. And one of the biggest things I've learned uh, through my time at Pure Life and through my time in the program was to obey the Lord and regardless of how I felt, to go against my feelings and to learn to exalt the Word of God above how I feel. Well, Michael just did a wonderful job describing how mercy is done regardless of of the feelings or the circumstances. And what comes to mind for me is how mercy involves works. And, you know, the clever saying is that works aren't the root of salvation, they're the fruit of salvation. So it goes back to the the motivation of the heart. Like, I'm going to do this whether I feel like it or not because I want to glorify God. And when works are being done to glorify God, regardless of feelings, there's an authentic sincerity in what people are doing that cannot be faked. And it's something that as counselors we're looking for in the guys, for sure. Uh, if that's not there, it's going to be addressed. Well, the question that frames our entire episode today is what role does mercy play in freedom from pornography and sexual sin? And so I would like us in the answer to address both sides of the issue. In other words, we have to receive the mercy of God or mm-hmm. we'll never get free. Mm-hmm. We have to give the mercy of God to others or we'll never get free. So pick a side and talk to me about the role that mercy plays in a man gaining freedom from habitual sexual sin. I can address the, uh, the part of having to 
receive sure. uh, God's mercy. It kind of goes back to something we said a little bit earlier about just the humility it takes to realize that I don't, I don't have anything in myself that deserves this. Right. You know, being involved in pornography or any kind of sexual sin uh, is is extremely selfish and self gratifying, mm-hmm. and it's all about what you get out of it, what you think maybe you deserve. And then in my relationship with the Lord, this is just for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, my relationship with God was based on what I could do for God. And the more I did for him, the more he loved or would overlook sin. Um, I would never have told anybody that before, but that's, that's how I was living. Um, and so coming here, coming to that point of like, I have to be able to receive this, receive it just as I am, not having earned it, no merit of my own. And completely coming into that place of humility, falling on my knees and just going, Lord, I will, I will take it. You know, I, I trust your word that this is who you say you are, and I will receive the mercy that you are giving through your son, Jesus Christ, through his shed blood on the cross, so that now I can live a life pleasing to him, you know, not to earn it, but because I love him. And so that's that part of just, again, being able to receive something because when we are full of pride full of ourselves we can't receive anything we can't receive love or (laughs) mercy or any of those types of things and so coming to that place of humility and lowliness of going yes lord i will accept the mercy that you are offering uh, with no ifs ands buts maybes no strings attached Um, so i know that's just one of how the lord really showed me how to receive his mercy so that I could then walk in it. Yeah, I think uh, for me personally, uh, before coming to Pure Life, uh, one of the hardest things for me to do was receive God's mercy because I was so proud and self-righteous. And I found the thought of humbling myself to receive God's mercy was painful. (laughs) And it really opened the door to a lot of torment for me uh, inside because I was unwilling to humble myself and not only receive God's mercy, but believe that he was merciful and kind of transitioning into the aspect of giving that mercy out in terms of finding freedom. I know for me, this is something that I still have to continue to do is to give out that mercy to others when I refuse to give that mercy out. I stop that flow of God's mercy coming into my life. And it's not long before I'm rising up in pride and opening the door for lust or temptation. And it goes back to what Jesus said in Luke 11 about giving from within and all things are clean for you. And so I have to give out that mercy that God's given me if I want to stay free. And it's not, it's no longer just a motivation that I just don't want to be in sin, but I've seen and tasted God's mercy and I, I want to stay in that. I want to continue to give that out to others and I want to continue to experience his mercy for me. And so to be free from sexual sin, from porn, from any sin, you can't do it without receiving God's mercy and then giving it to others. Uh, that really is what it is to walk with the Lord. Um, we have, we heard from, from Chuck, we have nothing 
uh, to give. We to give to God, we have nothing to give to others. So what we receive from the Lord and give to others is how we, we walk with him and abide in him. Mercy is, is so much more than just for us. And uh, as someone who has tried to just receive mercy and receive mercy and receive mercy, I wondered often why it was growing so sour. And an analogy that was shared with me and I frequently share with uh, the men in my counseling office is uh, the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. And the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea is that the River Jordan is flowing through the Sea of Galilee and the Sea of Galilee is teeming with life, where the Dead Sea is, is completely stagnant and dead. And it's a great picture of what God gives us mercy for. If we try to keep it for ourselves, we become stagnant and dead. But when it flows out of us, regardless of how we feel, we can trust in God's faithfulness to continue pouring that mercy into us as we need for any and every circumstance, for each and every day, sometimes moment by moment. God's God's mercy is so much more than just for us, and yet it's so good that when we get it, oftentimes we try to hold on to it instead of give it back, not realizing that as we give it out, he'll pour even more of it in. Men in sexual sin are, above all else, incredibly selfish, self-centered, and remarkably proud. Pride is the very core of their being. They are completely self-consumed. So learning to receive means that it can't be all about me. Even though receiving seems selfish, we're receiving from God. So we have to focus on him in order to receive from him. And then learning to give what we've received, learning to share what was freely bestowed upon us that we didn't earn, it seems to be the very antidote to the problem of pride and self-centeredness. Another one of my favorite passages that really portrays what we would call the mercy life or doing mercy uh, is Isaiah 58, verses 6 through 11, when it talks about the Lord saying, is this not the fast that I have chosen? And he lists all these things that when you see the hungry, you would feed him, or when you see the naked that you would clothe them and you wouldn't turn away from your own flesh and really it's what we're talking about doing mercy uh, and these are practical needs here that are that are listed but uh, as we've heard it also goes without saying that praying is another form of of giving that mercy and then what's interesting is the lord talks about then your breakthrough will come and it's like he's showing us when you begin to give out the mercy that I've given you, then your breakthrough will come. Then your light will shine. You'll be like a well-watered garden. So this is a picture of exactly what we're talking about. And if we refuse to give that mercy out, then the opposite will be true of our lives, like we heard uh, Nathan talking about the Dead Sea. That was a thoughtful discussion today about mercy. Uh, why we need to receive it from God, and more importantly, why we need to give it out to others and the change that God affects in our lives when we do that. So thank you, gentlemen, for coming in today. You're welcome. Thank you, Jim. 
As we close today, I want to take a moment to suggest an additional resource for our listeners. Steve Gallagher has authored a book which details what the Bible teaches about the mercy of God and the great value to be found in becoming a doer of mercy. He shares his own discovery of the power of mercy and how this teaching has transformed hundreds through the ministry of Pure Life. The book is called Living in Victory Through the Power of Mercy. You can find it at the Pure Life Ministries bookstore on our website or on Amazon.com or other booksellers. Receiving mercy from God and then sharing it with others is really what the Christian life is all about. That's all for today. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.